previously on the Raiden Culture Podcast. 1 Timothy 2 verse 12. Mm. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain silent. I believe the church and family are significant areas where the scripture relates to. And this is where Paul's speaking. He's not speaking into business. He's speaking into the church. He's talking about church situations, teaching, exercising authority over a man in the church setting and in the family setting, as we read in Corinthians. So, okay, let me see if I'm hearing you guys correctly. Mm. You're saying that specifically, okay, let's deal with the church for now, Mm. that the leadership roles are for men. It's not just leadership roles that are reserved for men. There are leadership roles. I mean, I would say it's wonderful for women to lead worship, wonderful for women to lead in prayer, wonderful for women to lead absolutely anywhere except in a governing role, governance role of eldership or apostle. Now, now there are some definitions to those that uh, people interpret differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Happy for women to prophesy. There were women prophetesses Mm -hmm. who prophesied and spoke... But the difference between an elder, one who governs uh, the church, and it's because of the nature of Jesus' role in the church. It's because Jesus is our head, and we are modeling Jesus' headship in the church. You are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. So can I can I take this further? Uh, th- thanks for that, Sean. Um, so how, how does this work outside the church? Right? Because you've got ladies that are capable bosses. So maybe she may not be able to govern in a church setting, but she can govern a whole bank or a whole organization. Country. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the qu- yeah. So the, the question I want to ask, right, is that should that be happening? Yes. <laughs> and does the biblical mandate um, that d- does it? What's the word? Does it overlap, if I can call it that, to civic issues? Civic issues, or is it just restricted to the to the Bible? So, um, Presley, I, I heard you say yeah. it emphatically. Should. Yeah. So, look up. Look at Queen of Sheba, Queen Sheba, right? Queen Sheba, the one who visited Solomon and he, and she was really wealthy. Yeah. I mean, leadership is not just having the title. If you have lots of money and lots of wealth, you're a leader. Yeah. You're influential. So everybody wants to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> so if we look at Queen Sheba, for me, that's the ultimate example of someone who is in scripture, but mm-hmm. maybe their role extends what we would see in in biblical context. And she was wealthy and she, she did her thing. And she went to Solomon and asked him tons of questions and queried him. And, but was and, she God-fearing? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I think that's an example of someone who existed in history. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was wealthy. So for me, being a leader is not just president or head of a bank. Being a leader, as, as long as you are skilled and you are yeah influential, mm-hmm. you're wealthy, that ultimately makes you a leader in that in that society. Right. So I think there are many women leaders, and that's not against biblical. It just happens, like yeah. you are a leader. Whereas in the church, you would have to be, this is the elder. The elder is appointed, 
and all the way as leadership in the society you are circumstances appoint yeah. you yeah mm -hmm. but what about Okay, I'm so that, yeah. specific roles like CEO, where you are appointed, mm -hmm. should women be aspiring to that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in Zim, for example, we have a situation where I don't know if it's in the constitution now or not, but that we're supposed to have a female VP. Let's not even go to the president part because we're a bit far from that as a society, but. We're supposed to have a female VP, but right now we don't, and it's like everyone's carrying on with life, like it doesn't really matter. But because the last potential VP, like <laughs> just like reach havoc, Jeez. we're still recovering from that. I don't know who you're talking about, but no. um, yeah. what's does this does this overlap? <laughs> do, do these women in authority does it overlap with politics as well? Because that's a huge governing area right mm. so should women be players in that space mr social justice uh, yeah. social <laughs> justice oh, warrior oh no i'm not a social justice warrior at all sjw um yeah absolutely women definitely um okay i'll put it this way because politics is subject to uh the law of this world right um, that's why in political theory or political science, they quote Machiavelli, mm -hmm. Aristotle, and so on. But then within the Christian framework, we, we refer to the Bible. Right. So the law of the land is it's subject to man's thinking, and that is bound to change. And the era we live in um, is one of uh, liberation in many forms, right? Uh, just like you know, the LGBT movement and all that stuff you mentioned before, it's happening also in the realms of feminism, which holds a different definition uh, today. Right. The, the new feminists, uh, extremist feminists, all sorts of different types of feminists. And then the idea of feminism on its own, which just says women can do whatever men can do. So on that premise alone, absolutely, yes, they should have a position in, in government leadership and, and so on and so on. But by no means should that be transferred, which, which is where I thought there would be a bit of an issue with the listeners, that they would try to translate the way it works in the world, in the world system, right. and try and enforce it in the church, which is a point that I thought needed to be brought out. Like, uh -huh. what's happening today, no matter how popular, i.e. the social justice movement or the feminist movement, mm -hmm. it, it's just not applicable within the church. But as far as the world wants to go with the position of men and women or men turning into women or there being no gender <laughs> at all, goodness knows where we'll be in three years. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Blurred lines. <laughs> this is crazy. So what I'm hearing you guys um, say here is that we have to be able to make that distinction. Um, because I, I wanted to say something last week. and I th You know how you, you think, you start having all these thoughts after... After the show is finished, I was driving. I was driving. And I was thinking I should have said that. But one of the things I, that that really hit me was the fact that maybe we actually need to define what we mean by leadership. And I think you know Sean did that pretty well, um, because I think one of the issues we're actually having is this whole movement of. Um, these super apostles and prophets and all these guys that are flashy and flamboyant. And all of a sudden, we all think that's what leadership in the church means. Mm -hmm. You know, it means wearing the orange suit and having the Rolls Royce, right? And then your wife is there next to you wearing Gucci, a Gucci dress and whatever <laughs> and a Prada bag. And then she gets to say whatever she wants in the church. And maybe that's what people are thinking about as leadership. 
You know, and yet the Bible actually, when it talks of submission, it says that wives submit to your husbands. Then it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life. I, I read that and I thought, flip. This is crazy, bruh. You've got to be like, you've got to be willing to give your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 day is the kind of leadership that um, Paul is espousing in the church, mm-hmm. right? And if we really want leadership within the church, are we ready to do that? Or are we thinking more about having a position on the board and being able to preach? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just thought I, I'd, I'd say that. Um, so mm-hmm. now, a woman who is in the church who's submitted to all these church structures, things we've spoken about. Mm-hmm. So are we saying she can, she can aspire to being CEO of whatever and aspire to be president? That, is, that, is that dope by God's standards? If, I believe if she's called to that, if God has gifted her and mm-hmm. called her to do that, as he gifted many great women in history and even that we've seen in scripture, I think uh-huh. the Queen of England, you know, and... She found herself in there in the royal line. It wasn't necessarily a calling, but like a birthright, mm-hmm. as it was. And that's God's doing. You know, I, I, that's what I see. It wasn't the right way that she came in there, but God allowed that to happen. I've seen women like Joan of Arc. I've seen some of the most courageous women, <laughs> Margaret Thatcher, mm-hmm. leading in politics. And I have found that women often are better servant leaders than men. The way our women serve our children and give up and sacrifice for kids, I found women to be often, most often, better servant leaders than men. Mm. And I think the best definition of a leader is a servant leader, particularly for national leadership. We need women who are servant leaders Mm. in politics. Politics is often a game of, uh, you know, uh, who's the most macho, who's the best, who can get there. And sadly, that's destroyed culture this kind of macho uh, Machiavellian kind of leadership that lords it over others and I think we need sensitive leaders and I personally I spoke to our previous VP uh, Joyce Mujuru and uh, mentioned to her I said you would be a wonderful leader and the mothering nature that you would bring. Now, I don't want to patronize anybody by saying that, and it's dangerous to say this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I would say... Hold me back. <laughs> I want to be very careful here. I would say that there is something significant that women can bring that men can't. Yeah. And we need that. But I would also say that our home and family life must come first. Mm. And I would say that a, a woman's... Um, best role in the home is a nurturing role. That's not to say men can't nurture children, but by nature of biology of a woman giving birth to mm. children and breastfeeding, etc., etc., a mother's role, primarily if there are children, when there are children, and in the home, would must focus first and primarily on the home and on family before politics and venturing into leading organizations, becoming CEO. So family must always come first, the first institution. Uh, That's kind of the disclaimer that I put in there, and I know I said a few dangerous things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You stepped on those landmines. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm wondering. Because if someone can be qualified to be president, then why not an elder? Okay. Yeah. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question. 
um, just from, from what you've just mentioned, Sean, and, and Percy, I'll come back to you just now. From what you've just mentioned, um, the question now is that, is that not a contradiction, though? That uh, on one end, we're saying that women should submit. That word is actually even scary to say. I feel like I want to get stoned. Uh, right, that women should submit in the home, in the church, and then um, outside. outside of the church, in the secular world, as it were, that women can lead and lead men on top of that. Mm-hmm. So how, how does that work? Isn't that some sort of a, a double mm. standard or a contradiction? I wouldn't say so. I would put it this way. I, I think the church and the family are two institutions that God has set up to reflect what he's like. Now, God's plan is that everybody glorifies him. But in the world, the institution the, in the world, institutions in the world are not modeled necessarily on God and the relationship of the Trinity and the relationship of Jesus and the church. The church is and marriage is. So God's plan for marriage is that it would be like the relationship between Jesus and the church. And that's why uh, women submit to men just as uh, the church submits to Jesus Christ. That's the model. And in the church as elders lead, just as the model of the Trinity is shown to us. Now in the world, it's, it's not based on that model. The world is worldly in a sense, unless you have a godly biblical business. So you would probably follow that up with, well, if my business is a biblical business, surely Christian women then shouldn't lead in that business, right? I would say it's different because our businesses are not uh, governing institutions. They're contractual institutions. They're not governing people's souls and hearts and in that sense, okay? So eldership governance is very different to business governance. Family governance is very different to business governance. Business governance is contractual. (coughs) Marriage governance Sure, you sign a contract, but it's actually a contract of love. It's a, you know, for all time. So I think they're very different in that sense, if I can add that. Percy, you were going to say something? Oh, yes. I was going to say a study done by, I think it was Deloitte, says that the more female uh, executive managers they are in a board, they've found that the company would do better than when it's just a single sex. Just to add on... on, on that argument that women do add to leadership and they'd make good leaders but because we make good leaders doesn't mean we should disqualify what the bible says about mm. leadership in the church yeah and i would say if i may mm. uh, i do a micro business training and give out micro loans and i have found that women are far better at paying off their loans <laughs> and being faithful to following <laughs> business principles and practices than men have been yeah, I definitely agree with uh, the separation of the two institutions or to, to say that the family is a reflection of God's, uh, you know, idea of, of uh, hierarchy, I think, and that it's a separate institution from secular institutions. I think that's a very, very important fact to note. Um, yeah, so far, I think that's that's the most important point that I would have brought up earlier. But yeah, yeah, yeah still. And, and I think the term hierarchy is also quite a strong term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means cringe. Yeah. <laughs> because hierarchy tends to believe that we are not equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Hierarchy in government, 
So I don't believe the president is more valuable or more uh, to be more honored or to anything else than the poorest of the poor or a baby, a, a newborn baby. Yeah. So hierarchy can be a dangerous term. And I think the danger with egalitarianism is uh, definition of terms mm -hmm. and the use of terms that are quite extreme and not very helpful. So I would say be careful of using hierarchy just to make sure that we are equal in our identity and our value in, yeah. It's just the role that's different. The role that we get given to play is different. Okay, cool. All right. So I want to take it now back to family mm. and how... Well, can I bring one more about business? Yes. So what if, <laughs> what if uh, the woman is the CEO, a wife is the CEO, and her husband comes and applies for a job <laughs> at that business? <laughs> how at does the same this, place. Yeah, at the same place. How does this play out now? Now that's a little bit... Should the wife... Uh, kind of put in her resignation later. Yeah. <laughs> resignation. Should she resign? <laughs> should she resign Nothing. because her husband and she should not be on the team that actually employs her husband? I believe that that family dynamic. She should allow others. If her husband wants to apply for the job, they would discuss that at home. <laughs> and yes, that would go down. But if he applies for the job, should she resign? No. No. Well, this is a tricky one. No. Yeah. Can she? Is she still his wife mm -hmm. when she's the CEO? And what comes first? My being the CEO, if I'm the wife, or my being his wife? And my role as a CEO, is it compromised if I'm overseeing my husband yeah. in the workplace? Or do I say he's not my husband when he comes to work, I treat him as an employee, and we have to separate that? Is that our marriage contract? That's a tricky question. The latter, but he should apply somewhere else. Why is he applying <laughs> when she's the CEO? Yeah. That's what, just messy. What, what messy, messy, business, messy. What if the business specialized in issues that um, surrounded uh, nurturing and uh, other domestic-like uh, duties or services? What if it was a, a purely catering and baby-focused business? which falls in line with the natural biological uh, <laughs> inclinations of women, then, then uh, what role would he play uh, in that kind of an organization? Because the woman would be in the kitchen where she is. <laughs> Don't you dare say where she belongs. <laughs> I'm, saying that, I'm saying that very sarcastically you know, because that's, another, that's another blurring of lines that I'm introducing there. <laughs> because yeah that's a, uh, we're talking of spheres of influence all of a sudden and, and there are lots of grey areas in between so I thought I'd introduce that to say okay then, then what if we keep breaking it down consider that you know I wouldn't give a hard and fast rule mm -hmm. I would say that husbands and wives particularly as the first institution really need to work this out as a married couple mm -hmm. what we can't do is just say no this is the way it is this is the way you've got to do it we can say this is what the Bible says. Now, as a husband and wife, you need to work out your roles in the home. Mm -hmm. We can't say a woman's role. I think this is where you're going with the home question, a woman's role in the home. We can't say, well, the husband's a better cook than the wife, but his role is not in the kitchen, so mm -hmm. he must stay out and she must cook substandard food. <laughs> yet he would be the better, better off there, yeah. And, you know, maybe the husband is better at nurturing the children. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, but he shouldn't because he's a man. I think it's got to work out 
by a discussion between the husband and wife in the home. For sure. And roles must not be defined by culture or by anyone outside of the home, but line up with scripture mm-hmm. and hear from God, pray together, seek God, and go for it. In my home, I am a better cook than my wife. <gasps> oh, my God. But you can edit, you can edit that Yeah, you out. can. <laughs> <laughs> but I allow her to do most of the cooking, and the most joyful thing for me is when Eating my wife provides <laughs> a bland meal, bless, bless her heart and has put her effort into it. Oh, the greatest sweet, joy man. that I have is to thank her with all of my heart for serving us. Though I know I could have done a better job and sometimes I'm tempted to come in the kitchen, stir mm. the pot, add mm. some, you know, stuff, and I help her cook the carrots. But I want to honor my wife and say thank you so much for serving us, mm. for blessing us, for she's far better than me at washing the dishes. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, maybe once every 10 years, I'll go in, <laughs> and, <laughs> I'll go in and help wash the dishes and fold clothes, though I'm terrible at it you know, once in a while. And I think we mustn't get so stuck on roles within culture. We must allow families within the home to seek God, read scripture, and lovingly submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah, true story. I definitely agree with that. I just think, play to your strengths. Like, if one can iron better than the other, then they should do the ironing. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It That, that, it's tricky, but I feel like you answered it before yeah. I even asked it. But I wanted to also speak to how we then raise our male and female children. Because although we try not to let culture get in the way, inevitably it does. And then, okay, I can speak from my own experience. The way my brother was raised is so different from the way I was raised in terms of expectations, in terms of how they'd speak to me, what they'd let slide and what they wouldn't let slide. And I felt very strongly and I expressed it several times that there is a double standard. He gets home at 10, no one bats an eyelash. I get home at 10 and it's like, where are you? And I'm like, but like, we were together some of the times. It's like, why am I the one who's getting the, you know, the tongue lashing? So when we do that to our children, aren't we then perpetuating this idea that girls and boys are different, treat them different once they're out in the world? Again, they perpetuate it and they start believing that I'm different from a girl, I'm different from a lady, I'm different from a woman. Yeah. And they start feeling like I can do things and get away with things that she can't. And that's how small houses and all these other things, just see, we just mm-hmm. ignore them when it's a man and then when it's a woman, it's like, oh my gosh, she's got five sexual partners, mm-hmm. which we should all be oh my goshing anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah Go for it. I don't have I just wanted to share something before I forgot it. Um, I can't remember who, who it was, but a, a very big thinker uh, mentioned a fact that I was unaware of. He, he said that um, at his age, um, he's over 30, he said he realized for the first time in his life that he was complicit in furthering uh, all sorts of uh, chauvinism and patriarchy. And I think without knowing it, uh, like as a man, I've been born into a position of privilege, just, just like you know, there's white privilege and some white people are totally oblivious to it. Mm. As a man, I'm born into privilege. Thank you like, for acknowledging yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And, and that, is, that is something, <laughs> that, is, that is a very major point that this gentleman brought up when he said, uh, you know, he's been complicit in furthering uh, this, you know, uh, this phenomenon. So to, 
in raising kids, I guess, uh, considering that these facts are becoming more and more aware, I think we should approach it with that you know, awareness that there is this thing and we can either raise young boys who are complicit and also going to reinforce the system or we just totally, you know, introduce complementarianism <laughs> uh, within, within the family unit and also, um, you know, outside of the family. I guess that'll be the best way to do it, knowing that fact, because mm -hmm. a lot of us walk around without even realizing how many, a lot of us men right. walk around without acknowledging that we have these privileges. Yeah. yeah. Percy? Oh, yeah, I was going to say... <clears throat> I love our culture. I'm Shauna. I love it. I love it to bits. But there are certain aspects of culture that have propagated uh, patriarchy in a way that's so extreme. Like uh, like what you were saying, TK. I If I get home at 8 p.m. and <laughs> my brother gets home at 1 a.m., the, the, the reaction is very different. Um, I think to address that, um, I think when raising up children... Yes, they could have different roles in, in the house, but I think your rules should be the same, whether it's a, it's, it's, it's a daughter or a son. Though I know that parents are more protective over their daughters because daughters can be vulnerable. I know my, my dad is still stressing. I'm 27 this year, and he still stresses. If I'm not home by 7, he's already calling because Girl, girls, are, <laughs> girls are vulnerable, but not because he's saying I'm less than my brother or... Uh, he treats my brother differently. He's just a little concerned because I could be more vulnerable to these. Right. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yes, uh, our culture needs some reworking. I think when you're raising up kids, go back to the word. There's certain things that we have to remove out of our culture that are not biblical and that are not taking us forward as a nation or as a people. And we need to leave them. Uh, some are good. We can keep on with them. But the ones that are really creating the difference or are more oppressive to women, I think we need to leave that stuff. That's retro. It's not, <laughs> it's not going to work in 2018. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Well, I have a son and a daughter, okay. mm -hmm. and I raise them differently. Uh, so one is not favored over the other. But to raise a son is different to raising a daughter. Right. There are different things that we need to say to our sons and different things we need to say to our daughters. The standard of when a daughter comes home late than when a son comes home late, I would see it differently. I would see it as, wow, my dad really loves me. He's not doing it to punish me, but he's doing it because he really loves me and he wants to protect me and he, he wants to make sure <coughs> that I'm okay. Now, the way he does it may not have been the right way, to do it, but the reason he's doing it, I think we often need to look deeper at what are the reasons. Now a son, you want a son to man up, take responsibility for his actions. Sure you do for your daughters as well, but as a dad you have a different role in protecting and nurturing and guarding your daughter differently to your son. You want your son to, uh, to grow up being a courageous man who honors and respects women uh, as, as different. You know, if we treated men and women the same, you know, golf tees, uh, races, uh, women are, it's a huge generalization here, but I want to be careful how I say this, <laughs> is that it, it, it's a biological fact that men and women are different, different mm -hmm. strengths, 
different capacities to do different things. But if we try and raise our children, boys and girls, in the same way, what we're saying is that, no, it's equal, girls, you've got to race against the boys. And if you lose, well, psh, you've got to work harder. I'm like, who wants to do that for their kids? Do you? You want to do that for your kids? <laughs> I wanted people to compete against the very best man at anything. Right. And I would be careful of that, so personally, because what I don't want to do is to say that, hey, our biological differences, just don't forget exist. about them. We're not different. We are the same, same opportunities, same everything. And I would say that would lead to an egalitarian perspective. Mm. Complementarian realizes that, no, we are different. And we can complement each other. We have different strengths. Guys can't do some things as well as girls. It's yep. true. Girls can't do some things as well as guys. It's true. Yeah. But if we try and hide from that or try and kind of blur the lines and say, well, we don't want it to be true and we want equal opportunity to be able to just at least try, then I think we're really blurring the lines of identity as image bearers of God, as men and women who can complement each other. And I think our identity in God as men and women is complemented best so men on their own are can't be image bearers of God. I think we bear the image of God when we are united and when we are together in how we think and behave and respond. I don't think our identity in God is individually. I think it is corporate and unity. And so working that out in our minds is crucial because it's all about the image of God, who God is, what he's like in his trinity and Jesus' relationship to the church is foundational to this discussion. This mm. Thank okay, you. Okay, I just want to ask um, Cookie Monster and Eugene this question. Don't worry, hey, don't be scared. <laughs> I'm so afraid. Right okay, no, I, I want to ask you because this is theoretical. Mm -hmm. Sean may, may or may not have dealt with this with the son, but let's say in the event that your son was more effeminate and he preferred playing with Barbie dolls as opposed to racing cars, and you want him to be more macho, would you be like, no, son, stop playing with those toys. Let's go get some cars. Or will you just let him express his natural nature and play with the dolls? I'm just curious. Ah, uh, bruh. Uh, <laughs> bruh, I'm going to, uh, I would like to categorically state that uh, that, that would be very unacceptable to me. But, because but that's his natural inclination. I would pray very hard <laughs> for now if my if my son is more gentle and my son is uh yeah he, he is more gentle that's that that's the only word <laughs> that's i would all. use that, that's okay but i think the moment he starts swinging over to the other side too much ah no but that, maybe the interest no. in dolls is because he likes the clothing he'll grow mm. up to be a fashion designer <laughs> let's become a fashion know. designer later and <laughs> Right now, we're racing cars. We'll get into the shooting <laughs> range. That's what we're doing right now. We're not wow. playing with dogs. You just got to squash the dream just like no, that, right? No, that, that, that's unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. Lord, well, you can hear okay. me. <laughs> Amen. Eugene. Eugene. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I think I think everything has a, needs to be looked at in, in context. Like... I've got a really interesting childhood because I've got a twin sister. So I'll put that. Oh, first. I didn't know that. So um, there are a lot of things that we did together. Um, of course, playing and, and all that stuff uh, is, is one of those many activities. 
So, you know, the moment you brought this up, I was taken back to a childhood memory. It does not involve adult, don't worry. <laughs> when uh, she and I were would, would, would carrying out some sort of home economics exercise from school, which involved knitting. <laughs> and just like you discussed early on in this discussion, I was really good at knitting. Oh, really? <laughs> I was really good at it. And um, this leads to a rather sad memory. Where my dad, uh, I remember, I think we're watching Oprah, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're watching TV and, and we're both knitting and I think we're less than 10 years old. And my dad walked in and he was not impressed at all. Mm. So this leads to my point. Um, everything has a context. Uh, there was nothing weird or skewed about me knitting at the time. I was fascinated by it and later on I turned out to be great with my hands. I turned into an artist, right? Uh, but if you attack your, your child without examining the context in which he's doing whatever it is he's doing, you might have a problem. There's a difference between uh, blatant intolerance and accommodation. So I'm not saying, yeah, he plays with dolls for six weeks nonstop, that's fine, no. But if he's experimenting or exploring something new, be sensitive to that and figure out the root cause before you attack and dismiss it altogether. So, I wouldn't. I would unless it's sinful. And, and, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 For as long as within the bounds of the doll, yeah, 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 the, yeah, tiny, yeah, or knitting, I, whatever I agree. it could be. Yeah. So, so because I think everything should be questioned or approached in love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and of course, this that can't be an uh, an isolated incident. I believe that as a parent, I'm not a parent yet, but I'd assume that as a parent you'd be aware of what your child is exposed to yeah. right? and how these different things would influence your child. Mm -hmm. So, you know, depending on what you know, maybe this child is the only boy in an all-female class mm. and you see this persisting for weeks on end, you might want to investigate further. Mm -hmm. right? But then if it's a once-off incident, like say in my case, I, I just took to knitting and then I translated it to other things, I don't knit anymore. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, instantly, you see, there, there are certain things that happened in, in, in that particular scenario. Uh, the relationship between, you know, my, my dad and I and his suspicions and all that stuff, they, they were raised and it, and it caused a lot of friction that could have been avoided. Right. And then, of course, there's what could have come out of it and what it meant overall. Like, here yeah. I am, I've got a great girlfriend, I'm, you know, going to be married soon. And you're not knitting mm -hmm. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I sew here and there, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's how I would look at it. I don't know. Mm. Right? Okay, so Percy, okay, they did, that's how they deal with their sons. If it, for you, if it was your daughter and she's heavy into gaming and she's like... Loves racing games and, you know, MMA. that sort of thing. Maybe not anything that's too violent. <laughs> um, I, I would relate to my da daughter. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I would prefer to be by the car with my dad. Fixing. Yeah. But then if I'm called to the kitchen, I'm like, man, mm. no, I'm not, I'm not keen on sewing or anything girly. I yeah. like cars. I like grease. I like the dirt. I like hiking. I... Yeah, but I'm still feminine. It's yeah. not the conventional. And that sense. later translated into you engineering, doing engineering yeah. and stuff. And I think it's really good to have female engineers because when I work with my colleagues, the way I see stuff will be totally different. For example, we went to a construction site and the first thing I noticed is this place is just dirty. The housekeeping is poor. And uh, guys, they, they were okay. They They... Uh, okay with mixing their concrete 
on on um, on mud on top of mud and i'm thinking put something underneath there <laughs> and and that actually makes better concrete if you have a, a sheeting at the bottom yeah yeah so i think when you were yeah. when you were studying yeah. did you find that when you had to do group projects guys were just like oh man i got one of the chicks no. in my group or they were like yes i've got one of the girls in my group uh <laughs> i guess it depends with the guys but i think uh, in my class, they appreciated having the goals because then we were meticulous. We made sure if we're p- handing in a project, it's printed okay. We would go through the fonts and make sure we cross all the T's. So that's what we add, the flavor we add. But it is really difficult being in a male-dominated profession yeah. in the sense that it's it's geared for men. Like I, I worked on a road project once. There were no toilets. They, we were out in the sun for days and... It's difficult, mm. but I think if a woman is interested in it, go for it. Yeah. Uh, but it is quite tough. Yeah. Do you and think if you, there's a bit of a glass ceiling in terms of, do you have superiors who are female a lot? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, we do. I think in modern day, uh, there are less and less glass ceilings. People are breaking through them. But you'll find that in certain areas. Like now I work for a progressive company, but before there were no female toilets, the... Uh, there were no sanitary bins in the toilets because they're not expecting a f- female. There. Yeah. yeah. So I think things are changing. We should keep pushing for that. But females in engineering are great or females in formerly male-dominated professions are great. If you're interested, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're good at it, if you've, if you've got an eye for it, a mind for it, go mm. for it. I like that. Well, it's been a joy to listen and to discuss these things together. I, I, would, I would give one uh, quick comment on how we listen. And often when we listen, we listen and personalize things. Mm-hmm. We take it personally, we're very subjective. And when we speak, we're often very universalist or very uh, generalizing. <laughs> and there's a danger in doing that. When we listen, we want to listen as if in someone else's shoes. And when we speak, we want to speak as if being spoken to. And so I think that would be a different way to handle the subject. And I think it definitely needs lots of grace and lots of patience. Yeah. And lots of, there's been so much misunderstanding, yeah. uh, particularly over these subjects. And most of the misunderstandings, I believe, have been because of past experiences. Yeah. And the truth is, past experiences have been terrible through history. Uh, the, a lot of male abuse um, and lording it over in the church, in the family, in the world. All three of those areas of society have had terrible abuses. And we must be careful not to try and correct them unbiblically uh, and correct them with our uh, reaction to it and try and let the pendulum swing the other way. I think to have a biblical response, just as Jesus did, as he washed his disciples' feet, as he was humble, as he didn't uh, speak out of anger or aggression or offense uh, or cause, uh, unnecessary offense. Yeah. And I think when we speak on these things, we need to speak with grace and speak truth and love and gently and kindly to one another. And that would be the best way to handle this subject yeah. because it is a very emotive subject, but that's probably because it's grounded right in our identity in yeah. God and in Christ and in the nature of the Trinity and how they relate to one another and in the nature of Christ's relationship with the church. So Sorry thanks for having us. Thanks, Sean. And, Thank you. You know, another thing that I'm just thinking about is the fact that um, the world is going to get more and more worldly, mm. and the Bible actually tells us that. 
meaning that we have to get more and more godly. And I think these are some of the issues that really show us that uh, more and more the world is going to be basing their beliefs on what they believe in, um, which should really um, push us and drive us to, to dig deeper into scripture to find out what exactly God is saying, because not doing so uh, leaves us with the risk of trying to uh, assimilate some of these worldly views, if I can call them that, into the church. My parting words, pray for me, y'all. I don't know. I, I'm still dealing with all this stuff. <laughs> I'm still grappling with all of this, trying to, to figure out how it would apply in my context. But no, thank you so much. All of you, you brought all very different and unique aspects to this discussion. So thank you so much. Yeah. And all our listeners, catch us next week. Yeah. And if you have any suggestions for topics, do let us know. My name is T-Mac. Monster. <laughs> the white chocolate brownie. Yes, the white chocolate brownie. <laughs> All right, we're signing out. Peace. Later. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot, it's fresh, it's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.